the Protect Your Neck Podcast. Year-end recap with the FightSite.com's Tumen to help me recap recent events as well as a crazy year in MMA. Strap in. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analyst is work you can find over at MMA Junkie as well as OddsCheckerUS.com. But on this year' program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast. We break down high-level MMA, and that's what we're going to do here today, but in a slightly different way, giving you a break uh, from my drone, uh, and uh, I don't want to say rants or anything like that, because we'll see what the episode has in store. You guys have some questions for us, but the key word is us. Uh, I brought on a guest who I've done podcasts with before, plenty of them, but between doing it over on his turf, the playground known as the thefightsite.com, uh, you know, I, and the lack of me being able to do these shows, as you guys know, with the UFC schedule, me being a, a kind of a slave to it with my beat, um, it's with great pleasure to finally bring on my man, Tengredome podcast host, Tumen, or you might know him on Twitter, where you can follow him uh, at your own risk, at ChungusCon03, one of my favorite Twitter handles. What's up, Tumen? Well, uh, I'm hungover, as usual. Just got dragged, got dragged on someone else's show the first thing in the morning, as it usually happens. But uh, yeah, pretty stoked to finally be uh, be brought to ruin someone else's show again. <laughs> I suppose. So, so some of the uh, Protection Act podcast listeners may also be heavy hands listeners, and if you remember that particular episode where I was, uh, where I've had my first and final guest appearance on Heavy Hands, maybe <laughs> th- those people may have uh, something, uh, may have a-, a degree of understanding what they're getting into here. Yeah, yeah, th- that's a great plug as well. Uh, definitely a-, a show that I like to plug and guys I respect. But yeah, that was. That was definitely a fun one. Uh, it was probably more fun for me as a listener than it was for uh, poor Phil and Connor as hosts. But that was part of the proofing <laughs> with bringing you on for this episode, right? Because this is a very formatless episode. So it's like it's like you know it's like, it's like kind of like you know it, it's kind of like plastic wrapping all the furniture before you have the party and you invite Tuman over. It, I'm not fully protected, but I'm, I'm I'm somewhat protected. I mean, prepare for nothing, and you will essentially be prepared for anything. Just don't expect anything good. <laughs> expect yes. something different <clears throat> with with that being said i just I'll, I'll just kind of uh breeze through the format and give a i don't know if it's a you know a, a table of contests more of a warning i guess for this kind of a show right um as far as what we're going to get into uh again i'm not a big fan of of uh, you can tell me how things are on on your side of the world there uh, Tuman, uh, but like, I- I'm not a big fan of, of the typical North American holidays, you know, uh, which makes me just like the fact that I'm not like religious about football or things like Thanksgiving, um, uh, or, you know, other imperialistic like holidays, um, <laughs> it, it makes, makes me a bad American Tuman. Uh, so I'm not going to try to phone any of that in. I'm not going to try to phone in the award stuff and pretend that my show is important because there's plenty of more important shows, more funnier shows, uh, and shows with, uh, 
you know, let's be honest, better, uh, you know, better analysts and insight anyways, go to those shows. We'll, we'll try to plug some of those genuinely because I'm, I'm a fan of many shows in this space, but, um, I, I, you're not going to get that here, folks. Um, if you're looking for a in-depth recap, you may get some stuff from me between my tangents, but Tuman did not watch the card and, and he is better <laughs> no. than all of us for that. <laughs> no. Okay. He is <laughs> like- better than all of us for that. Okay, so what was the cut? <laughs> like the main event was Derek Lewis versus Chris Dockhouse. I mean, fucking. I mean, I guess if you want to watch it, if you wanted to watch it, then more power to you. Like, g- good job. You watched the events. I, I don't didn't want to watch it, so I didn't. Like, <laughs> fuck that. Yeah, shit. I mean, if you wanted to see, you know, all they need to do, they should have just, in hindsight, they really should have just dyed Chris Dockhouse's beard gray. So you could have just seen Santa get knocked out, you know, for the UFC's last card. I mean, yeah, that would would have been more entertaining than what we got, apparently, yeah. allegedly, according to the uh, reactions that I've sort of gleamed through sheer osmosis being online, uh, <laughs> and through the uh, little like uh, through, through the little clip that you've showed me the other day. <laughs> yes, yeah, going to Pound Town. We'll we'll get to Dante Mays and uh, 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 shouts to Brad Tash. I mean, do we calls, have to? Uh, <laughs> do we need to well carbo parisian you know <laughs> respect to carbo parisian as well you know the long lost parisian brother he did that too that was you know misplaced in the midwest and you know uh forced to survive on carbs you know it was good enough to get him to the heavyweight division but not enough to stay out of north south we're gonna get to that we're actually gonna blow through results here real quick on this card note then we're gonna get to just some topics um and you guys listener questions but all in all this is a loose format show uh, but the reason why I, I brought uh, Tuman on, not just because it's, you know, and maybe this is an environment where maybe, he, you know, he could do maybe the least damage. Uh, but no, it, it's because uh, the topics from the re- that we may even touch on from the recap to other year end topics. Um, I I just really uh, I really and not not to, you know, not, not to uh, suck each other's D here as uh, to quote, a, you know, um, Harvey Keitel line. But uh, I, I genuinely enjoy your perspective to him. And I think it's, it's very needed. It's, you know, it's, it's, it, you know, uh, he, he may be rough around the edges to some folks, you know, if you have sensitive ears, but no, I appreciate the raw honesty, the nuance. And, uh, it's something that's kind of, uh, lacking with discussing a lot of the outcomes and things we saw this year. So, um, I wanted to bring someone from your tribe and you're someone that uh, I've wanted on the show for a while. Well, funny you should say tribe because my society actually is tribal. <laughs> like historically. There we go. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, Which, no, by the no, way, folks. I, I love how your mind works. I love how your mind works. No, please. <laughs> Which, which, by the way, folks, if you too would like to survive, support a, no, I'm not, I'm not going to get all Sally Struthers on you, no, but uh, uh it, it, honestly, uh, you know, support good work uh, will be a big message, I think, uh, a takeaway from a lot of the topics we talk about. So before we get into it, uh, I'll, I'll just do a plug for two men. Um, support places like the Flight Site or other uh, independent podcasts or independent media that's trying to be as independent as possible. And if you like good work, vote with your dollars. That's kind of the only voting I can really get behind. Um, or that I that I, I guess I, I fully believe in, um, and uh, yeah, and we're we're you know <laughs> in the tribal society that Tuman lives. Uh, the, the the American dollar goes very far, so you're not just like you know throwing a penny into a well or something. Go support him; it, it helps everybody. And uh, I hope that joke came through because otherwise, I just sound made, I made you just I sound mean, really bad. I mean that. That's- <laughs> I mean, that's how I plug my, my own stuff, generally. Like, please feed the poor Mongolian child living in the steps in the middle of the fucking field. Just right. just I, throw me your dollars, please. Hey, I was helps. trying to play the... Pre- 
I was trying to play the pri- the privileged American and you know presenting the whole thing. You know, I'm trying to do my part here. You know, I mean, I, I, have, <laughs> I, I have no dignity. I have no self respect or pride or taboo. So I just if if, if uh, you want me to, if you want to request something from from me, just go to our patron. And if you want a, a serious analysis of like a, an enemy fight from uh, from a hentai series, then you can do that. Just give me money. I'll do it. Yep, absolutely. There we go. <laughs> there was, there one was la- also one of the patrons I think wanted to request actually that I break down uh, grappling porn. So uh, <laughs> I, I can certainly do that. Just give me money. Just if, if you well, ever wanted serious analysis of grappling porn, <laughs> then just <laughs> throw your dollars at oh, me. It's true. I, uh, I I I I I may or may not have gotten Ed Gallo to uh, break down the shower uh, naked shower fight scene with Vigo Mortensen with his hog hanging. Uh, for the for the for the for the fight site Patreon that you can still find up there, just saying. Lots of lots of bigger mountains and hogging that one. You, you, that's you're right. Getting, getting what you're paid for. <clears throat> yep, that's right. That's right. Uh, last shout actually here since we brought monetary stuff to the table. I might as well plug my own podcast because I guess why not? Uh, hey, sure. But uh, I I, I, I just want to shout. Show. the Yeah, why not? <laughs> I, uh, I just want to shout. <laughs> there we go. I guess I'll just shout out the awesome listeners uh, before we get too carried away. I really do appreciate you guys being here. I know we're, you know, we're, we're going to have fun and we're going to shoot some shit between two Scrooges here in a second. But before we get lost in the uh, discourse, I do want to say that I, I genuinely appreciate all you guys, not just what you represent as numbers and listeners, but beyond that, for a lot of you that actually take the time to DM, share, say nice things in the comments and whatever, man, it just, it, it means the world. And, uh, you know, you don't have to donate, but if you do, I will also give you an additional shout. Like, uh, I won't say the full names. I don't, you know, I don't know. It's less privacy. I don't want to get into that, but I'll just say Brian J. Brian J. The third, uh, an insanely generous Christmas donation. Uh, y'all don't need to donate that much, but, but I just wanted to say, appreciate that. Uh, if you guys do want to donate to the podcast, do have a secure PayPal link in my link tree at Dan Tom MMA on Twitter, the only social media I'm really active on. And uh, the host of this year's program, MixedMarshallAnalyst.com. If you scroll to the right, um, go past the Bezos and the the uh, on it uh, and Victor Meissen or whatever uh, <laughs> Rogan selling there. Uh, those things will probably be taken down by the by by next year uh, once I finish the cycle. But there is a PayPal donation link there uh, for anybody that wants to support. I don't do a Patreon. I probably should. Just for like people that want to support, but I also feel like that's like me, like you know, that's like that's like the girl, you know. Just, I'm not stripping. I'm just I'm just the waitress at the strip club, honey. It's like we know what that leads to, and nothing wrong again with the Patreon. There's plenty of people that deserve it more than me, but uh, for people that do ask for a way to support the podcast, that's how. All right, long winded. It's that, that the plugs are done. I mean, in a roundabout way, you've brought your point across. So that's that's what matters. I guess that's that's what I do I guess. my show every time. <laughs> Just limping across the limping across the finish line because me and you both can uh can really beat our points <laughs> amongst other things. All right, before um, it gets wow. Amongst other All things, right. yeah. Yes. Well, that's, that's <laughs> something I'm incredibly good about here. I'm incredibly diligent when it comes to that. That's another thing you can count on if 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 a, if a fight card is uh, really dulling out um I just imagine that you uh, you tune out and go do other things at that point too, and as you've said on your own show many times before. So and I don't blame you. I mean, some yes. of these fights, you know. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of like the privilege I have. Like, if, like 
even though our website is very tiny and that we have and even though we have a tiny amount of supporters right. monetary supporters it still gives me carte blanche to to just do whatever i want as opposed to some of the bigger outlets <laughs> so, so, so like, it, it's pretty um it's it's pretty uh freeing you know it's pretty kind of like um uh it, it's a, it's a very a special feeling to know that no matter what you do uh things can always get worse <laughs> like, and they were already pretty bad and so you can do whatever you want really well, if I'm not careful, uh, you see, I appreciate and I li- That's why I live and probably, let's be honest, I probably should live more vicariously through you guys uh, than outing myself. Uh, because, uh, you know, um, not that I'm anybody special, but, uh, you know, I do have things to lose, I guess. And uh, I find myself, uh, you know, I-, I relate a lot to McNulty from The Wire and the fact that uh, I-, I-, I will see myself, I- you know, I'm probably not far from working the boat in my future. You know, let's just say that. So. <laughs> <laughs> for I people mean, who understand that show anyone who does uh, who anyone who has an MMA podcast and does uh, cover MMA, anyone who covers MMA for a living is uh, I'd say pretty like not far removed from that <laughs> from doing that for a living yeah absolutely but uh but back to the uh the penis talk and all that all that fun immature stuff Derek Lewis fought this last weekend I mean and uh did. <laughs> Let's, uh, you know, a, a, a fellow, a fellow uh, agent of chaos uh, who will interject uh, inappropriate humor uh, at his will. I, I definitely pre- appreciate Derek Lewis for that. But uh, let's blow through this recap just for the uh, the gambling listeners of my show, Tumen. Uh, and you can just, you know, obviously interject crack wise as you will. Um, but I'll just run through results. Sound good? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm not sure if I can actually crack wise as as good as you say i can because but uh, not, not the first time i've been uh, been faced with expectations that i'm not able <laughs> not able to well, fulfill really <laughs> hey well hey you know what this podcast is like uh the heavyweight division that we're kind of you know kind of uh dive into here in a second um it's all about context right and it's all about relatively in perspective and uh yeah you know just like just like the heavyweight division you don't necessarily have to be good to be good so you're 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 safe here, my friend. You're very safe. Uh, with that with that caveat said, we went seven and six overall in picks, which was, you know, pretty bad. You can still do decent from a betting perspective when you, you know, shoot a bunch of darts at the board and you just hit some key ones. That did not happen. Went one and zero in my parlay piece, but it ended up being an adjusted parlay piece because uh, Hayoni Barcelos, uh, one of the few fights that I cared about, not just from a betting perspective, but just because I like seeing him fight, uh, that was removed last minute. And, you know, your boy here, I like to try to be like Leon the professional as far as, you know, being disciplined, sniping uh, shots, you know, and whatnot. I I, I, I had uh, it lined up and I dropped the ball. Go ahead, Tuman. I mean, being Leon the professional is not the, the best comparison to make, really. <laughs> Especially no, it's world. not. In the world of it martial arts with all the people that we have and all the great people that we have in gyms, particularly in grappling gyms. <laughs> Do you really you want know, to compare yourself to Leon? <laughs> that's true you know what hey you know what leon did didn't he groom a young girl so i mean that that parallel definitely reaches deep and connects but you're right i don't want to be leon now that i think about it i keep forgetting this shit doesn't age well <laughs> you know what else didn't age well leon edwards's career oh my god oh my god poor leon edwards he's he's i wasn't even planning to talk about him here and he's he's getting I mean, it he's uh <clears throat> The uh, almost 
TKO that was it really happened this year since and since this is a end of year discussion we should probably mention him <laughs> to at least that is like, true you know that is true and I, I wanted to mention him when we talk about the next fight um the co-main event with Bilal Muhammad and Stephen Thompson but let me just uh l- l- let me get us there first um Went one in four in props and one in four in straight plays because I did a bunch of ads. Because uh, again, I, I was not the bad uh, the bad example of Leon the professional. Uh, I, I I was not professional. I just I just went, you know what fuck it. It's the end of the uh, like Bruce Willis putting in the extra plug of C four and Die Hard nineteen eighty eight. I'm like fuck it. You know it's Christmas time. Uh, you know and I put in the extra shots and it did not go my way. Uh, we'll recap that. Um, before we get to that Bilal Muhammad, which can maybe take us to some Leon Edwards talk to man. Um, just real quick, Derek Lewis defeated Chris Dawkins by KO round one. Um, I feel I definitely feel dumb for picking Dawkins in hindsight. Uh, this was not a fight that I bet on. I, I am I am smart enough to uh, have not made any plays or recommendations there. Let I told me, you all let, it's let, volatile, it's heavyweight. Let me just Go ahead. guess what happened in the fight without actually watching yeah. it. Yes. Ooh, this uh, is good. Yes, do yeah. it. Like, oh. let's imagine, like, Derek, we all know what Derek Lewis does, and we all know what Derek Lewis does best. He's, he's a puncher, and that's all he is. <clears throat> Chris Dawkins is a halfway functional heavyweight with a bit of a process <laughs> that knows yes. that he that you have to punch with one hand first before you punch with the other hand, so he can punch off punches, in a sense. So what I'm guessing is that Chris Dawkins respected Derek Lewis's power too much and didn't do enough to sort of like uh, circumnavigate Derek Lewis and sort of like, uh, you know, um, mitigate him. And so Derek Lewis finally found his spot to actually land because Dorkhouse took just way too long to actually connect with anything. And he got knocked out as a result. Also, what I'm picturing is that they've spent a lot of time like running around the cage with no like uh, idea of where they want the fight to actually go. So it was. I presume the knockout was very silly. Am I am I too far off the mark? You pretty much fucking nailed it, which is impressive <laughs> because Derek Lewis arguably fought somewhat against type in the sense that the result was the same, and you sprinkle in a little bit of leg kicks from Dawkins, which was not a bad idea. And Derek Lewis showed that he still has no interest in really checking a single one of them. Uh, but like to your uh, initial point to him and it was not enough to keep him away uh but here's the thing about lewis in this fight is and uh, he came right and and again i'm not surprised to have gotten it wrong in fact um i knew i was going to get it wrong not just because it's a Derek lewis fight like i picked this man to beat curtis blades you know i picked him when other people who are Derek lewis fans haven't um but it's it's just the fact that like fighters that usually strike and stick to striking actually do well um outside of volkov uh, and fighters that wrestle outside of DC have traditionally done well. You can honestly go through his re- entire record, and that that's the truth. Fighters that actually gra- everyone's like, you gotta grapple Derek Lewis, and I'm like, no, that's the wrong way. That's the wrong way to the, fight him. That's how you end up underneath him. The, um, Derek Lewis made his entire career on starching grapplers, like just yes. get, getting up from under them, not actually like using any technique. He just gets up. <laughs> that's the so, kind so of here's, person you're dealing with here. Exactly. So, so Tuman, here's the. Tell me if you can, you can, you can uh, commiserate with me as an analyst who appreciates uh, the layers and has, has maybe different but pet peeves of your own. Is that it doesn't bother me being wrong, much less being wrong about a heavyweight fight. You know, uh, when you have to make picks for for MMA fights for your job, you're gonna get a bunch of picks wrong. 
uh, especially in the heavyweight division, one of the most volatile divisions in any combat sport. Uh, but what was annoying was that th- all the people that were like, you got to grapple with Lewis to beat him, uh, or that were like not saying that and picking Dacus or in the middle or whatever, in hindsight, after Lewis does it, everybody goes, I can't believe Derek Lewis was an underdog. Uh, you know, uh, who didn't see that coming? And, uh, you know... Uh, and whatnot, and uh, you know, or you only only, I mean, only people who picked Dawkins were people on recency bias. And I'm like, it was a dumb pick, and I'll I'll come clean to it. But uh, I always a get annoyed with that, and then b, which is of, of lesser note, um, Derek Lewis was a hinging pick for. I don't know if you guys do staff picks at the fight site, but my staff picks were already garbage this week this year. But I peeked at him at the very end, and I'm like, oh crap, I'm at like a one point with a uh, with, with someone to. Uh, to get into the, at least the top five, even though if I don't win, it's it's considered a loss because I should win. So it's it's a lose lose for me to do that. That's another ep- for another day. I mean, but yeah, Derek Lewis, like he was in 2018, he was he's done this before. He was a hinging pick for me, and I just I got flashbacks to a couple years ago, Tuman, and he did it again. And I was like, <laughs> of course, of course, I was destined to lose this fight. And then to make it worse, everybody uh, from colleagues, people who who usually don't even like levy opinions from their profession, like everybody was just like. Oh my goodness, how is Derek Lewis an underdog? You must have been a dummy. And I'm like, wow, I really feel like an idiot. So that's <laughs> where I sit. We, we only do stuff picks for really for the pay-per-views and for the big cards. We don't bother okay. with fight night events because okay. uh, everyone on our website actually has a day job and they don't have much time to actually like think about all this crap. So I, I don't know how you do it. I, I, <laughs> I understand this is actually like a second full-time job for you. And like even with me doing this full time, I do not like. I find myself unable to bring myself to care enough about these events to actually write about them. So I guess I'm <laughs> I'm just like if you're, I guess Leon the unprofessional, I'm way way worse. <laughs> yeah, I no, it's it's I I I envy your position, man. And I think that's the, that's a problem with a lot of my issues. You know, like uh, I was just saying this in my last podcast, like. I get angry about something. I'm like, where is this coming from? And I'm like, oh, that's where it's coming from. Um, and a lot of stuff without getting too deep on a surface level, probably for a lot of people, but especially when your job is you have to be up to date with the news feed is honestly just having to be, you know, listening to interviews, listening to shows, listen, reading articles, watching the feed. I think that's what just I'm just too plugged in. And then you add in the fact that I'm a fucking contrarian asshole. Oh my god! I just I just want to drill a hole in my head like fucking Aronofsky's you're pie. You're a contrarian asshole. If if people think you're a contrarian asshole, they should try subscribing like to one. the fight site once again. Yeah, <laughs> I love you guys. That, that's that's where you actually will find the contrarian assholes. And uh, if you join our Discord <laughs> for five dollars per month, then you will know what a contrarian asshole actually sounds like, <laughs> because uh, it's like an entire community of contrarian assholes. Gathered yeah. together in one single place, discussing fights in a contrarian asshole way. Yep, yep. No, no, totally. That's why. That's why I appreciate you guys. But uh, again, it's it's. I, I'm just again. It's for me. It's not getting things right or getting things wrong or money it's, or it's basic ego. The... For me, I'm 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 a, I'm a prince. I'm a person of principle. I'm a man of principle. <laughs> and certain things like 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 we'll get into like like you know. Uh, everybody's saying you know like for example the next fight. Everybody's like uh, oh my gosh. We should have known that Muhammad about, was going to win because it's so, about the dynamic sorry, of the fight. Really, it's not about the outcome. If you want to sure. learn how to analyze fights, it's 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 like math. 
When you're learning math, it's all about the process. If you get the process right, then if, even if you get the solution wrong, eventually, if your process is right, then you will get more and more solutions correctly. And the same is with fight dynamics. If you understand the fighting styles and how the fight the fighters, <clears throat> how fighters' attributes and their strong suits play off against one another, uh, then you will get start getting more clearer and clearer pictures of how the fight will go and if you uh, and as the fight picture gets clearer then the outcomes become then you start picking more and more outcomes correctly even yep. though and so generally like your focus shouldn't be on the outcome and those people who focus on the outcome are usually betters and i yep. presume you, you kind of like uh, you have to sort of like uh cater to that crowd a little bit yeah to have yep. any degree of success, which we don't, that's why we're not successful. <laughs> right, right, yeah. I have to balance that line, which is which is tough because you know, and I tell people this, and you're explaining it perfectly, but basically that analysis, picking fights, and playing fights in a betting fashion, all three of those are different things, and a lot of people don't realize that those are three completely different things, but they are. Yeah. Um, and for me, I don't care, even though I do have to cater, and you're absolutely right about that. Um, but I'm, I'm with you guys, which I appreciate your guys' work. It's it's about nailing the dynamic where if I can still show my work at the end of the day, um, then I don't feel as bad, right? Um, I guess – and that's what's kind of the ironic part about, I guess, my juxtaposition to uh, – and admitted bias to it, obviously, but my juxtaposition to this whole Derek Lewis Dacus thing, like, this is the fight that everybody is pumping their chest like you should have seen coming. Like, this is the obvious fight, a heavyweight fight in MMA – a, not even that, a Derek Lewis heavyweight fight in MMA and everybody's saying, I couldn't believe he's the underdog. Dude, literally, you can count on like one hand every time Derek Lewis has been the favorite because literally like 90, 95% of his entire career, the guy's been the underdog. Where the fuck were you all before? Like with the amount of people bumping their chests, there should be a lot of people buying new cars today, this week, with all the money they made on Derek <laughs> Lewis. I've never, I've never seen that much confidence. And I know it's the last card of the year and everybody wants to bump their chests. And I told you so. It's a human nature thing. I get it. I get that I'm not like that, and I'm weird for it. I get it, but I was just like, ah, you know, just I, I felt like that meme guy or whatever. Like, uh, I mean, you know, just like with the next fight. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. Like generally, like fighting is very chaotic, so you uh, you can pick, uh, you can nail the dynamic of the fight. You can get the dynamic of the fight ninety nine percent correctly, and then a single random punch will mm -hmm. just uh, completely demolish your outcome prediction. And with Derek Lewis, and this is like I'm speaking about fight, fights in better divisions, in divisions where in the divisions where fighters are actually functional and have all round like developed games. And here you have heavyweight, as you said, a Derek Lewis fight, and the level of skill is such where the gaps in their skill sets and the uh, specific way in which they both fighters fight, it leads to a situation where you can just predict just about anything. And uh, pretty much 50% of it will be wrong. It's kind of like like the sample size and the amount of data that you're getting from each Derek Lewis fight and from each Chris Dorkhouse fight is just so much lesser than what you're getting out of, say, a bantamweight fight. And so naturally, like, trying to pick it is a bit of a crapshoot. That's why I don't do it. I generally don't bother predicting, like, heavyweight fights that involve fighters of this caliber. Like, not to shit on them both, but just that's how it is. Yeah, absolutely. That's why, you know, usually these cards, like when I was joking, I, I don't know if this was off air or on air, but when I was looking back at main events, I was like, Sakai and Rosenstruck was a fucking main event. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I, I took that. I took that week off. 
<laughs> that's what I should do. That's what we that's what we all should do. Um, but uh, but no, you're you're absolutely right. And just to, to to move on from this to the next fight, Bilal Muhammad defeated Stephen Thompson via unanimous decision. Um, I'll, I'll 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 get into this quickly. I wasn't surprised how this happened, and I was on the fence of picking Bilal because I. I I suspected this could happen, which was he did a wrestling-heavy game plan and kind of replicated Doreno Burns' game plan um, to decision and, and nullify Thompson against the cage. Um, and uh, what was it? What was kind of a you know, and again, it's not a big deal, but just kind of playing on that point of my my weird. And, and you can feel free to let loose your own weird little pet peeves, Tuman. But uh, again, everybody was just like, uh, oh, and and and. You know, you, you should have seen this coming because it was in the small cage. And as somebody who not just is consistently always bringing up the small cage dynamic and how that relates to a stylistic dynamic, but I've been doing that consistently, not just before everybody else was doing it, not just before the pandemic, like not just during the pandemic, like before the fucking pandemic, like years, uh, even before I worked with Junkie, I would DM MMA Junkie John and I would ask him octagon sizes for upcoming fights. So granted i'm coming from a, a weird bias and a weird niche that way but man does it annoy the fuck out of me for people to be like oh stephen thompson can't fight in the small octagon i'm like no he's never outdone a guy like jeff neal for five rounds on a bad knee in the small octagon uh but of course if you're someone who just reads stats you'll be like oh jeff neal didn't shoot a takedown when he actually shot a few but you don't you should never trust that stupid fucking fight metrics all right go ahead <laughs> i mean the fight metric thing is everyone assumes is that it's infallible everyone assumes oh, that the ridiculous. fight the fight metric thing is like an all-seeing all-knowing ai and artificial intelligence like instantly uh picking up every single thing that happens in there in the cage and it's not it's just two guys pushing buttons and if you want to mm -hmm. like if you want to way just how much uh actual like importance actual relevance fight metric has to the actual fight in question uh go go uh, on look up fight metrics and look at the uh, look up the Uriah Hall versus um Uriah Hall versus Chris Weidman fight what mm -hmm. you will find is zero strikes landed and attempted for Uriah Hall um uh, and like i think two strikes attempted and one strike landed for Chris Weidman, and just try and guess which strike is landed, is, is, which strike is counted as as having been landed. It's the leg right. kick that broke Chris Weidman's leg in half. So they count Absolutely. checked leg kicks as landed significant strikes. That's how that's how relevant fight metric actually yep. really is. That's how accurate it is. <laughs> yep, yep. Their knockdowns, their takedowns are poorly measured, and as well as their knockdowns, which I've wondered for a while, and I don't know if it was Sean Sheehan that shared uh, something interesting on it, but essentially, they they don't count it as, it's not even the fact that it's a clean strike that sends the fighter to the floor or not, which should be the determining factor, or how much they hit the floor on their own, right? Which I know boxing has its own rules, and I'm not, I'm not saying they should be a direct transfer, but those are the context we have for how to score knockdowns in combat sports. Well, how MMA does it is they don't give a fuck if it's a shoulder punch off of a caught kick. It's If that's if it's not bad enough that most yeah. judges score that as knockdowns, which I've seen fights, go look at, um, I'll, I'll reference you one right now, fucking, what's his name, Alejandro Perez, that dude would squeak out fucking some decisions in his day against Andre Sukumtat. Um, fucking guy gets, anyways, that's, it's, you, you see it in certain fights like that. Um, it's bad enough, but to make it even worse, fight metric will count those as knock, as knockdowns. Now, thankfully, the, in the next fight, um, Amanda Lemos gets a clear, clean knockdown against Angela Hill in the first round and they count it. But the only reason why they count it is because 
she Angela Hill stayed on the ground long enough for Lemos to establish a top position. Mm. Should that be the qualifying factor? And if it is, it should maybe only be a small piece of the pie, right, Tuman? But nope, that is like 99% of the quantification for a knockdown in MMA. Not the strike, not the opponents, not the person who retrieved the strike's behavior. You just have to touch the canvas with your knee and essentially you've got yourself a knockdown <laughs> that, that that's yeah. the criteria it seems uh, just you well no to- unless un- unless it's like pedro munoz dominic cruz where he lands like clearly and like dominic you know he touches his knee and almost like goes out and like wakes himself back up like nope they won't count those as a knockdown the arguments were maybe you could make those things right nope it, they're so inconsistent with how they do it but anyway sorry as just a pet peeve of mine, but basically, um, I mean, if you it's d- the typical MMA thing. It's uh, it happens yeah. every week, <laughs> and yeah, we talk yeah, about no. this every week. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, yep, it's another example of that. And I'm happy for Muhammad, by the way. Um, but uh, he, but and and this is you know, this was eventually. I forget someone tweeted it, and this is the side of my my take is like. We were all expecting for this to happen to Stephen Thompson forever. Now it's finally happening. Should we should we really be that surprised? And I'm more I'm more in line with that that point of view. Um, and no hate toward Muhammad, but as we move on to the next fight, something I do notice, and it's you know, it, again, it, I like Muhammad and I like Angela Hill both as seemingly as people and their fight styles. By the way, uh, Muhammad, uh, as Connor Rebush noted, excellent game planner, uh, does not get enough credit for that. But what I notice is that like fighters who are media darlings obviously get treated differently from the media. And just as we um, critique the broadcast for influencing narratives, right, Tuman? Mm. I got to call I got to call my own side of the fence out. Right. To be fair uh, here, because the media also plays not to be lazy and blame the media, but the media does play a part in, in the narrative. And when you have fighters that are media darlings and while they're active um, are doing like podcasts radio shows and are and are also on that ufc desk um you will watch my colleagues and uh, it's fine i'm not trying to call anybody out because these are these are good people they deserve it hey let's all be friendly it's all good but you know we're all supposed to be unbiased whether they're the analysts on the desk or us as journalists we're supposed to be unbiased and that's something that always seems to get ignored and not even acknowledged and the bias that that bleeds through is insane for these fighters from the broadcasts to so on. I just finished a. I know you didn't see this fight, Tuman, so I'm not gonna, you know, grade you on how uh, Amanda Lemos's unanimous decision or split decision over Angela Hill went. Uh, you guys can go check out my article I just wrote. Uh, shouts to my guy Matt Wells. It's a. I'm pretty sure it's his article I did. He puts them together. Um, it's called Judges Gonna Judge, and we get three different people from Junkie. I think it rotates, and we'll, we we examine each round and we write why we scored a certain way, and then we have an overall thought, and all those things are compared. Um, so it's it's a fun exercise, right? At the very mm. least, um, to do. Uh, uh, so uh, go check that out. But basically, and and to this is where you can weigh in. Um, and by the way, I think I I I like Felder and Bisping. By the way, this isn't a knock I on mean, them, but it's Felder. They're, they're one of the better commentators out of anyone in the UFC yes. because they actually acknowledge uh, the areas in which they are not as uh, uh, qualified to comment on. Uh, compared yeah, to absolutely. someone like DC or Cruz, who think that they're able to actually... Their way of fighting is the best. <laughs> yes, that, that, that's essentially it. And uh, to your point about being unbiased, I think it. I think it's impossible to be 100% obje- objective absolutely. in any situation. Yes. But absolutely. Uh, you can kind of try and achieve uh, a, a higher state of objectivity by first acknowledging that you're 
yes. that, that you're biased against certain things, that you have a certain, like, pre- you're predisposed to think about certain things in a certain way, shall we say. And uh, yes. that's that's the first step that you need to take. And Felder and Bisping certainly try to take that step, but still, they're not infallible. Yes, sure. And and they, they are better at, at that, um, absolutely. And you're right. No one can be. And I say that about myself, too. I can never be unbiased. But what you can do is, A, try, and B, acknowledge, right? And if mm-hmm. you don't acknowledge, which most of these people don't, which is the problem, well, then that perceived not trying starts to maybe, you know, uh, look worse and work against them in that department. And, and you know, we don't have to get into the DC Cruise thing. But, yeah. Um, but basically, but that, that being said, though, the one part where everybody from journalists to uh, – color commentators although you know according to the awards i guess that those are the only those are the main analysts now these days so i, mean, I, I don't I, I don't know how that you know that, that, that's everyone, another conversation i guess everyone but. who has a degree a certain like everyone who has a certain relationship with the ufc like knows someone from the ufc then they are they're an analyst apparently that's that's how you judge that's how the whole thing is judged well yeah and then sh- shout out to my guy uh, craig allen fight night picks go subscribe to his channel uh, dude's been in the grind for a minute he made a post was like okay i know that all the tv analysts cormier bisping etc um, get a lot of the credit, but who are the, some of the analysts that, that don't get a lot of credit? And I'm like, and I just went to the replies. I'm like, I'm curious. Let's see what people are saying. And it was like, Felder, Cruz. And like, they were, they were replying with more analysts that are on TV. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, but uh, anyways, what, but what, what on both sides of the fence is tough, even the best of the analysts and the best of the journalists, um, is acknowledging their own bias, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the best of MMA gambling dudes, same thing. It's, it's, this, is, this is a common thing that I always harp on and I try to hold myself very accountable because so many don't uh, seemingly. Uh, and there's obviously Angela Hill's a media darling, right? And she, you know, she just got the serious XM thing. She's, she's on the panel and she does great. I, I want to see more things for her. I want nothing but good things for Angie Hill. Um, but from the start of this fight to man, like whenever Lemos does something good. Like you hear Felder going, oh, like cringing, like he's watching his own teammate in there. And then, like, <laughs> on top, I mean, this is on top of the normal. This is on, right? It's like, this is like 15 seconds in. You can hear this, by the way. I'm like, I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. Here we go. Here we go. This sure. whole fight's going to be called for Angie. Here we go. Controversy I, City. Okay. I haven't watched the fight, but I can already okay. picture how it went. Like, uh, like Lemos would probably like outstrike Angie Hill. In, um, mm-hmm. in exchanges, uh, Angela mm-hmm. Hill would be, as usual, moving forward, being super active and taking mm-hmm. a, lot a lot of feints. Lot of those, don't forget the feints. A lot of feints, yes. A lot of uh, <laughs> head slot feints. A lot of like pendulum sort of movement with the, with the torso. Not a lot of connect. Not, not a lot of punches connecting, actually. <laughs> right. Uh, yes. Lem- yes. Lemos, yep. prob- Lemos probably uh, outkicked her a great deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, landed lots of kicks, and you've you've mentioned the knockdown, and that knockdown. Was it a cringe or was it just complete silence? Um, it was. Uh, from, from oh, it was just. It was. It, well, it was the normal. Um, again, you know. Again, how much of it is analysts and how much is of it fighter? Someone tweeted how much of it is fighters reacting to shit. Um, it was a lot of fighters reacting to shit at that point. It was. Oh my god! But then mm. when Angie would do something. Oh, but Angie, she's getting back up though. But she's getting back up though. Oh yeah. So definitely. So, definitely. so 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 your normal level of bias is just one fighter 
talking about the other too much. And that's where these quiet pros like John Anik and even Mike Goldberg in his day, by the way, did a good job of balancing out Rogan quietly. They start mentioning the other fighter. Even if it's just something asinine stats, they're trying to balance the broadcast, something I'm all about and I, I appreciate. But this was beyond just one, you know, they're conveniently talking about one fighter's actions compared to one fighter's, you know. It was beyond that. Like, even when they were kind of begrudgingly acknowledging Lemos, they'd be like, oh, Angela Hill getting there. And then Brendan Fitzgerald, and shouts to Brendan Fitzgerald, who I think does a great job considering that he does not come from this background at all. Like, when you consider that contextually, um, again, I'm, I, I, you could accuse me of being more of a fan um, of the play-by-play guys and the color guys, but I just... You know, I'm very passionate about the color role, so I have more to say. That's all that is, folks. It's nothing personal. But uh, he tries to balance it out. And then I think, like, uh, Bisfinger Felder is like, oh, gosh, Angie's doing good. But, oh, she just keeps getting hit by Lemos on these exchanges. Like, I'm like, are you guys commentating or just rooting for Angie, like, from home on the couch? Like, <laughs> like it was it, like, and, and it was just like, uh, you know, and, like, uh, Bisping was like, and I wrote in my article, too, and I go, um... The ironic part was Angela, Angela Hill had her best round in the first, which was the round with the knockdown as well as outside of the knockdown, the clearest round for Lemos. So that was the kind of unfortunate thing for Angie Hill. But, like, you'll see, like, one punch hits a shoulder and misses. Uh, and they're like, oh, she got rocked. And then um, there's actual right hand that actually hits. Um, and Bisping goes, she got wobbled big. And if you look at it, it the, the punch hits – but Lemos literally turns and looks at her clear-eyed and then goes on. And I counted. She wins the immediate following three exchanges and forces a takedown out of Angela Hill. And then in the third round, which is the – and then the second round clearly goes to Hill. Uh, Lemos did a I'm going to take a round off kind of a deal. She did a Robbie Lawler. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the third round, like I even re-breaking it down, she literally wins almost every second of the entire first half, which means – Hill has to do something huge. Otherwise, you can argue that Lemos is going to win regardless of how the rest of the round goes. Not the smartest way to go about it, just to kind of prove the point that the round was not as close as everybody thought. Um, but you, it's hard because not only do you have a spinning elbow that hits Lemos's shoulder that everybody thinks is a knockdown. Of course, the commentary, she got rocked. Um, and reacting to it's fine, but I really, you know, and reacting in the moment, they want that. I know that's like Rogan's thing. Uh, DC and Bisping are like, you know, really trying to take second fiddle when it comes to that. Um, there's, it's fine to be exclamatory. It's fine to bring some form of entertainment and energy. But when you transform that energy into definitive sayings, like that person is rocked and hurt. It's like, ooh, you know, like a Cheeto Vera song, Yadong. Everyone was getting all pissed about that. And... You know, I was like, I don't like Bisping yelling at that because that was when the dead quiet arenas where the judges can hear. And I'm like, not only influencing everybody that, you know, people like me and you two men have to fucking cut through with machetes, all the bad narratives. But mm-hmm. you're like influencing the people that fucking matter that are deciding the paychecks. Um, I hate that. And it was funny. So and then and then I'm not picking on Bisping, but then he continues to go and make a case as far as why the round is close and around that Lemos is clearly winning in the third. And he's like, this is a really close round. And as he says that, Lemos hits her with a spinning back kick to the body that literally sends Angela Hill flying across the cage. And <laughs> no mention. <laughs> like, so I'm like, here we go. And then, of course, it was a split decision. And Angela Hill, to her credit, right, in everybody's defense, she has a history of being on the wrong end of splits. I definitely don't deny that. I like Angela Hill. It sucks because she's actually getting better. And she's rounding out her skills. And that deserves attention. But... 
it just kind of irked me just not just to see uh, the broadcast is normal and I get it with the connections, but also my fellow media members just kind of in droves like what this is, this is, this, you know, either it's a robbery or questioning the decision and uh, and <clears throat> you were sitting back and we're like, oh, they got, you know, and you do this, you do the same thing to him, right? You're like, oh, they got fucking duped. Everybody got duped by the goddamn telephone game again. I mean, the one, this begs the question of how, like, of how much actual expertise the fellow media members have with regards to fighting to what they're watching. Like, no, no disrespect, but this is just, no, yeah, this is just, this is a pertinent question. Like, how much do you understand of what you're saying? Because I see so many, so many times, like, whenever a controversial decision happens, and whenever I log on to social media and see input from people from different, uh, fairly, uh, I'd say, healthily sized media outlets, and I and I see whenever I see their input on what happened, uh, it, it just every time. I, I just ask myself, like, do these people really understand what they're watching or no? And, uh, like, sadly, uh, a lot of the time I'd have to veer no because, well, it's, it's a, it's a fairly, it's a pretty belabored point at this point, at, at this uh, point in time, uh, um, that media members do not have a background in martial arts. Media members have not have not experienced fighting in any or competition in any way. And yes, that's a part of that. Uh, competition and fighting experience gives you a certain perspective that you will not be able to get uh, to get otherwise through any other means outside other than fighting and competing. But also, analysis takes a quite a bit of practice, and analysis is something you can actually learn through actually, like, actively, deliberately studying the footage and uh, reading articles and reading breakdowns and just basically, like, educating yourself on all the dynamics that happen in fighting. And the more you understand about it, the, the clearer your perspective will be about the sport. And a lot of media members seem to stop halfway like basically, they watch a, uh, a whole bunch of fights, and they sort of like pick up on certain things that the commentary says, and then they stop, because mm. everyone thinks that the commentators know what they're talking about, that the commentators are infallible, and they're mm. not. Everyone keeps thinking that oh, since DC used to be double champ in two of the worst fucking divisions in the sport, <laughs> then he must understand this game of MMA very well. And uh, Dominic Cruz, he has uh, this very elusive style of fighting that uh, no one has been able to hit him. Arguably the bantamweight goat, etc., etc. He understands MMA. We should listen to him. Uh, well, does nobody remember when he when Habib versus Conor happened? And uh, Dominic Cruz spent the whole fight insisting that Conor is trying to gas Habib out by getting punched in the face over and over again. I mean, this is just. And lots and lots of examples of uh, commentary, commentators and commentary being either just factually incorrect, just not representing what is happening in the cage correctly, and lots of examples of commentators just picking a, a, a narrative and sticking with it. And then the media members who actually like, who the the I'm not gonna name names, but the media members who I've just described, uh, the the media members who stop halfway through, they perpetuate these narratives and these narratives are then perpetuated by fans and uh, mm -hmm. just regular casual watchers and then we get this whole microcosm of uh, of uh, the MMA fandom where nothing is like like 99% of ev what everyone believes is factually incorrect 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. Just misinform. It's like a, our own microcosm of misinformation and uh, how that how that can you know um, split us uh, split us up. Not to really get to that, but like or make it too dramatic. But no, it, you you worded it very well. And I will say in defense, like, and I said this in my article, there's plenty of talented people yeah. uh, in all facets of the USC broadcasts. Um, there are plenty of my fellow media colleagues, and I wrote this in the article too, um, that I've seen demonstrate a better grasp of judging criteria than a decent bulk of the MMA judges, which is not a that's high bar true. to pass. That's, that's very true. So I, I made sure to include that, but I, I don't disagree at all with what you're saying, though, Tuman, and I, and, and I hope that comes across because you explained it way better than I. Um, I mean, and, and I think one of the reasons is that uh, actual like analysis isn't incentivized by both the fandom, by both the no. uh, fight fan sphere, and uh, the UFC itself. The UFC actually like I think the UFC actually suffers. Like the more people understand analysis well, the more UFC starts suffering because the UFC is no longer. If if more people were to uh, were able to actually analyze what's happening on the screen. And uh, if that percentage of educated fight fans rose to a certain like sizable percentage, that to a percentage that would actually matter, the UFC would be hurt by that because the UFC will, would no longer be able to sell the narratives they wish to sell, the promotional packages they wish to sell. They would no longer be able to run promotional yeah. campaigns that bank on just factually incorrect narratives and sell pay-per-views by using those narratives. Like, for example, like uh, if more people were to actually understand what Conor McGregor does and why he was so great and why he is no longer all that great, then he would sell less pay-per-views and it would hurt the UFC. The UFC would be yep. unable to bank on Conor McGregor's uh, reputation the way it does right now if more people to, were to actually like educate themselves. But it's not incentivized. Uh, there is no real incentive to understand the sport better because when you think about it, the more you understand about the sport of MMA, the less you enjoy it. In a Absolutely, sense. yeah. No, no. I mean, this this is a crude comparison, but uh, it's kind of the same reason why the government, at least in our country, will sell you booze and is hesitant to sell you weed, even though it's been more progressive. But it ain't definitely giving you no mushrooms because mushrooms are like an intelligent fan. Mm. Uh, but the, you know, they don't they don't want that. <laughs> they don't want no mind opening things, right? Uh, but to 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 be more of a direct comparison to the parallel of what we're talking about, which you nailed, is um is back to these commentators where you're right. I think they encourage you know like. DC says, you know, you got to be entertaining. That was his, that's kind of his defense, right? Toward Cruz or whatever. Mm. But, and I've gone to bat for Cruz and DC before for many of things, and I'm not walking any of those things back. I just am somebody who calls things like I see them, God forbid, right? Um, and I, if the sky's blue, I'm not going to say it's red. And even though that's kind of hurt me more than it's helped me, that's just, that's just, that's just who I am. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I will say to, to bring it back to your point, Tuman, is that, I think Cruz and DC did their best. Would you agree that they did their best commentary in the beginning? It was almost like they weren't as worried about... I'm sure they were worried about doing good and not blowing their spot, but I mean, they weren't worried about selling it as much as they yeah. were doing a good job. You know what I'm saying? I, I feel like there's a certain... But but maybe there's something behind the scenes. I don't know. The UFC doesn't put a... Like you said, it doesn't put a prime price tag uh, for its fans or from its what it's outputting internally. Uh, as far as technical analysis and as far as where a lot of this shit comes from, why I'm so passionate, um, I usually say, oh, it's not sour grapes. I'll be honest. It is sour grapes, you know, because 
uh, this is something, it's a, it's a field that I've been passionate about since I've been following basketball. You know, I have my favorite commentators. Like, whoever was on the broadcast would make and sell my day. And I mean, I'm somebody who's dedi- you know, dedicated my life to this. And it sucks to know that, okay, I, I and I've already come to peace that I'm, not, I'm never going to be able to call fights because I, I'm not a political, like, demon. Uh, and I don't have a UFC, and I, I don't have a UFC, uh, you know, resume or anything. So I, I, it, I, I've come to grips that I'll never be able to do these jobs that I'm very passionate about. So it's just like, it, I'll admit that it's sour grapes, but yes, God forbid, I, I, I just at the very least want the people who, who do have these jobs to fucking try, to fucking research a bit. I mean, I never, I've never really like got up in arms about it all that much because I don't really like, I don't really care because I can produce my own stuff. Uh, sure. Like for 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 uh, for an ama- for admittedly a measly amount of money, but it still matters to me. Like uh, in my region, it makes for an, uh, an actually like uh, a respectable sum of money to make. <laughs> but um, uh, like uh, it's uh, it's I'm, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to plug <laughs> the fight side Patreon again because do we do actually it. like do alternate commentaries. We release yes, it on our yeah, Patreon. Uh, we do lots of alternate commentary for every pay per view, and sometimes don't tell Ed that I, I listen. Um, don't tell Ed, but I still am one of those people that he hates who listens and doesn't watch. And I actually can watch. Like <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Anyways, go ahead, plug the fight side. Yeah, basically we do. We can, We essentially try to address every gripe that people have about the commentary booth and do analytical commentary, trying to be unbiased as uh, in the process. But generally speaking, we usually will straight up admit that we're rooting for such and such guy as opposed to the other person. So at least yeah, we're honest sure. about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, that's fine. And generally, like the problem that many many people point out with commentary is that whenever commentary commentators do not talk about the fight especially with dc it's been a problem with dc in recent years jack slack called it dc actually podcasting in the booth instead of commenting yes, on what's yeah, happening yeah and we kind of like try to avoid that we actually say what's yeah. happening in the cage so if you want to check that out it's for, it's up there for three bucks per month on our patreon synced up and ready for you to use but anyway yeah let's <laughs> proceed let's proceed for all this the whole thing with the whole thing sorry sir yeah, yeah, and and uh, just to tie up that point, I guess to the you know the the giving credit, but also kind of you know clarifying our points uh, with, with the commentary. Just with the media side, uh, since you mentioned stats were useless in my article, Tuman, just to close this out, um, I, all, I I said that because of the bias that uh, we really started this conversation, mm. um, that a lot of media have, and you know as well as the obviously the are they understanding what they're seeing that you pointed out. Um, between those two things, I, I said in my article, and I'm probably not going to make people fans who are MMA decisions fans and connected to them, but I said MMA decisions, people using MMA decisions, tab, uh, media tabulations, um, for their arguments is is just as useless as those who use significant strike stats. And I know that just fucking struck a chord with a bunch of people who, you know, going to hate me even more for saying that. But do you do you, do you agree or disagree with that? I I have never heard of MMA decisions, and I have never used them. And made, <laughs> whenever 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 people only use it's like it's like sad strikes where people only uh, tweet I mean, out that the, I mean, the picture of it when when, like, when correct, it suits their narrative. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's the same thing as people compiling pound for pound lists in boxing by doing nothing but looking up fighters on box rec instead of actually watching the fights. Is that it? Uh, MMA decisions is basically like you could score a fight on Twitter, and I think you tag mm. MMA decisions, and they collect one from each major outlet. I don't oh, know if so, it's a set so thing or random. Essentially, and, they and, and, collect and, and, garbage data from people who do not understand what they're watching, and then 
proceed to give you a result based on that, based on your yes. data. <laughs> yes. Thank you. So, never so when you thing. have, so, so, so again, for me, it's not even, again, it's not even the, even though I admit the sour grapes, it's not even the, the fact that, uh, I want a job and they, they have it. So I'm going to shit on them. It's like, no, I just, I'm just trying to do the job that I have. And whether you're trying to do the job that you have in this sport or just trying to watch the sport, it's just annoying as fuck to cut through bad narratives. And I just want it to slow down a little bit. I know you can't stop it, but that's all I'm saying here. And uh, just like uh, with uh, – and I talked to you, DM Private, about like uh, – and I talked about it on this podcast, by the way, about a th- it was Thick Willie versus Alonzo Menafield was another fight. Mm. That, you know, the, the commentary misled the score, but the, the judges scored it correctly and should have been allotted uh, for, for actually scoring the fight correctly like this one. Uh, but, you know, even I had, I had people so upset at me, even like, you know, like longtime fa- listeners, longtime friends. And in these arguments, they would grab. But look, look, the all all the media outlets scored it for this guy. I mean, what do you have to say about that? And I'm just like, oh, so that's what I mean by like, it, this, this is essentially like I hate type, that shit. This is the type of argument that people make every time this happens. Like, like I guess uh, I guess animal liquidized animal shit must be really tasty because millions of flies actually like spend lots of time flying around that shit on top of that pile of like i mean what are we doing here do do you actually look for like quantifiable quality data or are you looking for anything that just just simply confirms the narrative that you prefer and that uh, essentially like that's what it is that's what people do it's a mix of the human nature confirmation bias, which I get. That's natural. You're never going to do anything about that. But it's also fueled by, again, this 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 very bad, not just bad narratives, but the, like you said, the, the whole nature of, of the system not rewarding educated fans. And when you don't yeah. reward that kind of edge, this is what you get. This is the cesspool arguments and the, the, the feces slinging that we have to take part in just to get to from point A to point B. I mean, and I guess that's my, that's my grip here. <laughs> anti-intellectualism. Anti-intellectualism is fairly endemic in uh, any yes. type of discourse uh, across the board, not just MMA, not just sports, but life in general. But it's especially incentivized, I think, in MMA, in the sphere of MMA, especially by... Uh, monopolies like the UFC because the UFC benefits from having an uneducated fan base and it benefits from being uh, fans being fine with the UFC being a monopoly so it can continue selling subpar product at a high price to people who will gobble it up and that's why it stays afloat so well that's why it also had the best year so far mm-hmm. financially and I think you wanted to get into it uh, at some point after we've uh, should, should we be finished with this card really because I think we're kind of like we really should be we got sidetracked yeah yeah we got sidetracked let me just blow through the results huh? yeah. Ricky Simone Vato defeated Rafael Sansa by KO you, any oh, uh, pour one out for Rafael pour one out for Sriram shout out Sriram off the fight side yeah shout out Sriram <laughs> by the way he's he's my no, no offense to I love everybody at the fight side but he's my favorite <laughs> as far as those commentary tracks go just he just like, does them uh, the most. Like he's our most most prolific commentator. <laughs> like yeah. I, I feel like I should watch fights through his 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 view because even like I think I had the same reaction to the Giga, uh, Giga, uh, fucking who did he beat Barbosa fight? Mm. But I was just like I, I'm like that, that's how you should react to everything. Like like Shuram does. It's just don't get all fucking pissy passionate about it like me. Like that that's the temperament right there. Shouts to that dude. Um, Mate- Mateusz Gamrot defeated Diego Fajeda by this one was weird. He just kind of 
Maybe it was a pre-existing injury. He tapped from he no moss from a weird position. I'm not mm. giving Diego Feja shit, by the way. I'm just saying it was it was something you don't see it every happens. day. It happens sometimes. Like, it does. You're it does. Yeah, yeah. If you're yeah. injured, you you're not supposed to like continue. Really, it's it's not absolutely a yes. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not giving shit for it. And I'm I'm guessing it's probably as someone who is uh, I'm guessing it was rib stuff and probably from an if it was from an explosion, something to do with the core. Those yeah, are the it hardest says submission to, to knee to the body. Yeah, probably probably a rib issue. Yep, uh, Matius. Uh, Matush Gamrot, probably pronounced Mateusz. that wrong. Oh yeah, Mateusz. yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll see where he goes. Cup Swanson defeated uh, Darren Elkins. Uh, this is another dummy pick by me. Uh, I was on Elk. I took a, I took the dog shot. The, I picked the wrong grappler in the small cage. Small cage here, and uh, Swanson, man, I love Swanson. I was happy for him to win in front of his family. He's just a fighter. I can't pick for the life of me because I just feel like it's the inconsistency, and I, you know, and I know he's fought tough guys, but I still feel like some days we get a certain cub, some days we get another cub. But good on him. Mearshart defeated Dustin Stolfus. Dude's really into Germany, but uh, Mearshart's a good dude. Happy and happy that he uh, won there. Should have got a bonus. Uh, Taffa defeated Harry Hunsucker. Uh, fu- <laughs> is, that, uh, is that his actual name? Yes, <laughs> Harry He's Hunsucker. Got, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Harry Hunsucker and 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 Carbo Parisian, who was the guy getting teabag in that gif I sent you. Um, this oh, is Jesus. a. I don't know if you. I don't know if you're familiar with this division. It's a new division that's been added since the pandemic. Um, again, shouts to Brad Tastruck. It's called the T-shirt in the pool division. <laughs> um, you, you know, Roque Martinez. Uh, I know he got cut, but he was in there. You know, uh, Jake Collier, Kate Collier. I think Connor Rebush called him. He's in the T-shirt in the pool division for sure. Um, but yeah, that that's that fight. Uh, Gato defeated Sarge Eubanks. Picked Sarge, but I said bet on Gato after the, I saw her on the scales. That 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 looked to be true. Charles Jardin defeated Andre Uhl, who still has the same problems at featherweight, which is really bad news for him. Not sure how Jordan didn't uh, cash that round three ticket we were sitting on, D-Love and the rest of you listeners. Uh, but uh, I guess he wanted to do the 300 thing, uh, then finish the fight. <laughs> but uh, it's all good. Again, it's it's entertainment. It's goddamn forget fight, you know forget getting in and out of there healthy and, and fight IQ. Uh, Raquel Pennington defeated Macy Chasson by submission. Uh, Mays teabag Josh Parisian TKO elbows ended up crucifixing him after Josh Parisian gave it to him for like the third time. I, I'm a fan of Carbo Parisian though, um, not just because he, he follows me on Twitter, but how can you not be a fan of a guy named Carbo Parisian? And he tweets about uh, Usada looking at his penis all the time. I mean, he's my kind of guy. Um, Jordan Levitt uh, defeated Matt Sales. I didn't watch that one. And the recap is done. How about that? Holy fuck. You actually do this every week. You actually cover every card every week. Is that what you do? I know. Yeah, Jesus. it's terrible. That's why. That's where my time goes. I Fuck, know. Fucking hell, I, man. Just even take... even, it's, it, even <laughs> the shitty cards that I do shitty on, which is this is the example. The ones that I should have every reason to fucking just abandon it like a like an unwanted child. You know. I mean, I have, still don't, man. We have people on staff who cover every card, and I do not envy them in the slightest. I guess this is what I get. This is. Uh, the, this, this, this is my privilege as a senior staff well, member to not watch them. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I them. tried to. <laughs> that's why I tried to get squeeze some other talking points and go off other roads uh, because you know I, th- I felt like those were more important to talk about than the results themselves. I mean, the watching discussions from them, watching uh, mid-level uh, fights actually is beneficial in a certain sense because it gives you the idea of what is the most common uh, meta. What is the what is the matter at the moment in the division? Because if you only pay attention to the elites, it may skew your 
perception of uh, this uh, of the what uh, works of the state of the division yeah in general because yep. elites are elites they do what they do uh the reason why they're elite is that uh, maybe like super talented or a plus athletes but the rest of the division isn't and that's why they go towards some certain tools that uh work mo- more often at uh, just basically like sort of like uh, low risk high reward types of type of stuff so this will give you a better idea of what's actually happening in the division as opposed to only paying attention to the big fights so i guess it has its benefit uh, despite all the negatives <laughs> of which no, there are it, many it it absolutely does what was it um what was it uh, uh you know again uh, you could tell i just finished watching the wire but uh season 2 i think lester freeman's watching the dock workers the docks unload mm. and they're like, hey, the crew we're watching, they're not even working these ones. Those are clean. Why are you going to watch them? He goes, well, if I don't know how the clean ones work, how am I going to know how the dirty ones work? You got to get that whole perspective. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of the point of that. All right. And we're back. That's my bad for uh, if you noticed any uh, editor cut there. I appreciate Tuman, by the way. He's actually like a special guest and special producer. <laughs> um, so uh, I did not make him do that, by the way. He offered... Um, to, uh, to, to to the dismay of my old boomer ass uh, fighting it. But uh, if it's good, uh, blame him. If it's bad, blame me still. Blame me because I, I, uh, <laughs> I probably fucked something up. Yeah, b- b- blame me for, for improving the audio and <laughs> quality and everything. That's right. Blame him. <laughs> Take it out on Tumen, all right? Uh, but no, we're going to do uh, some uh, listener questions here. Um, hopefully I won't... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> rant anybody's ear off um let's go with uh the karth at the karth 2001 <laughs> i'm gonna let you take this one i'm gonna take you I like this oh one. it's one, one of you our take patreons yes. subscribers yes. yeah it's it's uh, Hello, I'll, I'll read it you respond I'll, I'll read it and you respond why do you think tyron woodley didn't defend jake paul's lethal blows it seemed from my perspective that tyron should have evaded the right hand or simply blocked it and countered but instead he made the foolish decision to be hit with it. Why would he do that? Seems incorrect. Well, you see, Tyron Woodley, being the strategist that he is, being the genius, <laughs> being the fighting genius, the, the fighting savant that Tyron Woodley actually is. Not many people know this, but Tyron Woodley actually calculated the um, the trajectory of each strike, and he assumed that uh, Jake Paul expected Tyron Woodley to block defend or counter each each one of his punches and so he made the correct decision not to get duped by this by jake paul's uh, uh masterful strategy and uh, got, got got knocked out by it instead <laughs> because he, because he, he recognized the genius a fellow genius in jake paul <laughs> that's the reason why he got knocked out I mean, it's it's high level strategy. You wouldn't understand it if you don't if you've never fought and never actually experienced high level fighting. I know how it can be a little bit misleading and kind of confusing at first. See, I would have gone with the easier Goldie answer if, if Mike Goldberg would have answered this, where you know Woodley didn't embrace the grind. It's kind of that simple, right, Tuman? He didn't. I mean, if he, true, if, if yes. he embraced the grind. I mean, right? that's the problem that happens when you're a genius. That's 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 what happens when you're a prodigy. You do not recognize your, t- do, do not appreciate the grind. You do not appreciate the effort that it takes to become good. You just simply I, I, well, do things, and uh, they well, they it becomes easier to be good at things. That's why you don't appreciate the the uh, 
actually the difficulty of what you're doing. That's right. The only adversity is embracing the grind through collegiate wrestling. How else do you think DC became double champ? Why else do you think he wore the shirt that said embrace the grind? And to play off that, uh, furthermore, I will say, you know what he probably should have done? Uh, to borrow uh, borrow some of DC's analysis. I think Tyron Tuman, I think Tyron should have, even though takedowns are not legal in boxing, he should have fainted the takedown because at least then he would have had that in his head. I mean, yeah, definitely, sure. And, uh, Take a shot every time you hear that on the broadcast, by the way. Take a shot every time you hear that watching UFC fights. Just oh, saying. yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> this is, this, if, it's one of those commentary, uh, like uh, commentary sound bites. It's kind of like the underhook and kind of like the, uh, uh, oh, but uh, this, like, the guy who's getting his ass kicked is actually super tough and he may come back because you never can, you can never count them out. Or, like, one shot is all it takes. It's one of those things. <laughs> I, I just miss, uh, I just miss Goldberg, though, because he would, like, have those random interjections where, yeah, he would get lazy with it and lean on phrases like embrace the grind, or he would go to his notes and just start reading, like, apropos of nothing, he would just start reading, like, their, their high school matches in numerical order, you know? But, like, he would, like, throw some... Like, one of my favorites, I think, Kenny Florian, BJ Penn, UFC 101, you guys can go back to it. And they were just like, all all Kenny's life, he just wanted to be a samurai since joining the ultimate fighter. And then, and then and like, instead of leaving it there, and Goldie's just like, yep, and he cut his good buddy Alex Carolexis. <laughs> just like, what the fuck? Why would you... Like, he, it's like he's fawning over it. And we used to make lemonade with grandma. But, it, like, that's the tone he's saying. But he's like, but, and he cut his good buddy, Alex Carolexis. Like, out of context. That sounds really fucked up, man. <laughs> I mean, that's Goldberg in a nutshell, really. That's, that's... I, I miss him. I, I, I do. I, I actually miss him. I don't know. Again, I love I love the play by play guys now. By the way, obviously, clearly, there there there's some hyperbole there, but I I miss those moments of entertainment, man. They they really are priceless. I mean, it's it, I guess Goldberg is an acquired taste because every time I try to revisit a fight from from before the era when he got cut when he got sacked, I I cannot do it. I I just I can't stand him. I I can't actually like bear bear the uh, just the torrent of Goldberg and Rogan. Just working in tandem to make the fight unwatchable. Mine's a, my, I guess, uh, mine's obviously more ironic, but I will say, I guess I have more fonder memories of the Golden Era Goldberg because mm. the Goldberg I get now. Um, don't forget, uh, Tuman. I also have to be on the Bellator beat. Uh, so oh, uh, at least as far as their main event fights, so uh, there's still a section where Goldberg was employed by them, and I don't know if you realize this. You probably don't. Good on you, but. Uh, Let's just say you could kind of tell why Goldie was let go, that he he kind of got into it on air with people like Josh Thompson and stuff. And it was essentially like awkward fighting. They would like get mad at each other like because like, Thompson would totally call him on his shit and make fun of him for all his little idiosyncrasies. And Goldie would get hella butt hurt. And it's just it was just really awkward. It was like it's like mommy hit daddy at the dinner table constantly. That era of commentary. I mean, so I have to sit through that shit. Keep in mind. <laughs> I mean, I I only know of Bellator Goldberg through Jack Slack, who uh, takes uh, like, who uh, at a, at a certain point in his uh, podcasting career, he took a point to actually like listen to the commentary and talk about it, and he would constantly complain every time he watched Bellator about Goldberg and uh, Big John McCarthy being unlistenable, like ma making Bellator unwatchable. Yep. So I uh, yeah. like my condolences, yeah. I guess. Yep. Yeah, yeah, no. I guess I'm glad I'm not alone there. I, 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 I obviously respect Jack's opinion. So, yeah, no, spot on. 
Uh, Chris Falk, Falk, excuse me, Chris Faulkner at Cristo Falk, Cristo. Uh, he has some good questions. He says the UFC generated record profits with the most diluted roster spread over the Bo shows. See t-shirt and pool division. How does it feel to be punished for liking MMA? I don't like question. MMA. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm I am slowly going to getting pushed to other facets of life as well. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying, I'm, I'm desperately trying to learn how to use a camera right now in hopes that it might provide other forms of unemployment, uh, uh, other forms of employment, I, I should say. I don't even fucking watch MMA. I'm a media blogger. I review movies and video games. Why are you asking me this question? <laughs> what is this UFC you're speaking of? What is this yeah. ultimate fighting that you're speaking of? What is this? What's that? Is this a new fad? Is yeah. It- is this something Zoomers are into? Is this an app? Yeah, man. Uh, definitely, you know, uh, I guess Contender Series really took over the roster, even though it's been around for a few seasons. I'm, it really felt like a, it's come to some type of a, not a head, because sadly it's not over with, but uh, someone who covers it. But, uh, you know, it, it's it's come to like some kind of influx, it feels, as, as far as the business model. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty clever business model. If your business model is to continue is protectionism, essentially, like making the most of out of what you have while diluting the product and making the same amount of money or even more money as uh, it was, in, as it was the case this year, it's kind of like uh, the UFC is sort of like on a precipice. The M- MMA as in general and the UFC in particular is kind of like on the precipice of going global. But also, the UFC's primary market is, is still America. And so they set up this model of con- the Contender Series where they just like get uh, cheap talent, get talent for cheap. They not, don't exactly get... I'm not talking about fighters being bad or anything, even though the level of fighters is certainly not always very like all that great. The UFC benefits from a large pool of talent uh, from which they can get lots of like essentially like bodies for cheap and they can just like fill up all these fight night cards every week and people would still tune in to watch them and they still get money for all this they still get revenue for all the for the ESPN deal and uh, the um, all the viewers and subscriptions on ESPN plus all that kind of stuff so yeah it it makes sense from a very ghoulish and sort of like very like uh, immoral point of view you know it, it it does now add in the fact that all those fight night cards you speak of take place in the apex for the last mm-hmm. year or so. Uh, and I know you can talk about live gate and the importance of it to combat sports traditionally till you're blue in the face, but you can't also talk about the other expenses that they're clearly saving from what is a unique and frankly, you know, very uh, just, I don't want to say lucky that they, they, they designed it for that purpose. They just didn't know that a pandemic was coming. So it's very fortuitous for them. Uh, when you factor that in, it, it does get you know gross, and at the risk of, at the risk of uh, saying Brad Taschuk's name for the well, third what's time. What's also fortuitous is uh, the American culture and the American attitude towards the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, that too. Well, well, yeah, and and and, and real quick, I, I'll, I'll shout out my guy Brad's tweet, and I, I mentioned him three times, which you don't do for <coughs> so He will show up if you mention Brad Taschuk's name three times. He will show up and drink all your beer, leaving you only a Canadian sorry on a sticky pad. So at the risk of that, uh, I think he tweeted out earlier, he goes, don't forget that a lot of these like fight night events 
Um, the tickets that they charge for the VIP experience or even like tickets for these events are so ludicrously high. It's like you're paying for half half the half the main event salary, depending on what fight it is. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> just to just to be in attendance. So when you do that fucked up math and you're like, dude, they probably paid all the fighter salary from like half the people in attendance. Like what? I mean, no yeah. shit they're profiting having their biggest financial year i mean i mean this was a long ass year wasn't it it was pretty fucking long it's it's kind of i mean i guess my perspective is kind of skewed because it's also the year when i actually started putting out content regularly when the, this mm -hmm. uh, when the fight side became my full-time job but like looking at this year it was kind of like it, it was sort of like, it felt like hurry up and wait in terms of pay-per-views and in terms of events, like hurry up and wait, oh, hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait. They would just, uh, they would just shit out uh, multiple good pay-per-views in a row, followed by a long stretch of nothing uh, and rinse, repeat. And, and uh, the whole year went on like this. They would uh, have a couple good tournaments, a couple good events. Not tournaments. They don't have tournaments. They would have a couple of good cards, a couple of good pay-per-views, and then it was like <laughs> have everything else, have the rest of our shit all at once, <laughs> with no breaks. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it, that, that's an interesting perspective, and you chose a hell of a year to uh, to do that. And I, I feel for you in that sense. Boy, that's a hell of a first year to fully uh, commit to trying to cover this in any shape or form. Frankly. Um, la lastly, I mean, but this uh, this is not a, the first time that, that happened to me. Everything I do just happens to happen like kind of overnight, <laughs> without me <laughs> having ever done it. And I just sort of like jump straight in. Ah, uh, see, my, my I think my OCD and prep preparation is too bad for that. Like I just like take I I'm, I'm too much of the opposite. It takes me forever to get stuff done. So I was like, why aren't you on camera yet? Why aren't you on Spotify? Why aren't you on Stitcher? You've been promising that for the podcast for three years. I'm like, I'm I'm trying, folks. Uh, Tuman's gotten some glimpse of how incapable I'm behind the scenes. So trust me. Uh, Chris I recommend Faulkner, using Simplecast. Simplecast just basically like puts everything out for you. It's a subscription everywhere. service that we use. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, I probably just need to plug in my RSS feed and that that and set it and forget it, kind of a deal, huh? Mm -hmm. yeah, damn it! All right, I gotta get on that. Uh, I, again, that's what I'm going to use this break for. Um, I promise, and I'm and I'm bringing back top five shows. Uh, Chris Faulkner says, last question: Who benefited the most from favorable matchmaking, and how was the UFC matchmaking in general? Uh, I know we have a lot. Answer. The second part, we have. A, we, we yeah, it's really broad. The second part, although I, I suspect we agree on a lot of it, as far as. It a really, lot of meaningless matchmaking and the meaningful. I don't know how much I can give them credit for, given the conditions that matchmaking has that, had to take that, place. That, the that really depends. That depends on how much credit you really give to the UFC yes. matchmakers. Because UFC yeah. matchmaking usually works. The way it works doesn't make a lot of sense when you actually think about it. Like, no. they generally tend to... They, I guess they have a certain idea of what the fighters are known for, and they pit fighters against one another based on that, and they sort of have an idea of how they want to promote the fighters that they pit against one another, but it's not always the fights that make the most sense, usually. Uh, sometimes they get, they gleam an idea of what the fans want, sometimes, on occasion, based on how many fans are clamoring for it, and like maybe they look at analytics like stuff like um, uh, search engine queries and that kind of stuff, and then they may actually like put on a fight that people actually want 
to see. And but the rest of the time, it's just kind of like it's very slapdash, and they constantly pit together contenders and uh, prospects and uh, the, the, as a result those prospects end up being shot they don't develop talent it's been a problem for ages now and we've always talked about this i think uh, on all you, you can you hear about it on all shows that concern themselves with mma in any shape or form yep so i, I don't know how to answer this question honestly uh, yeah and and it's the uh, it's the business model too it's not just the pandemic is an excuse but the business model of the said contender series influx right mm-hmm. well we know we, we talked about the financial gain of that just now minutes ago well the other aspect from analysis and even interesting from a betting perspective too but yes an overall analysis however you want to parse it which is you're getting fighters rush to market again anti-prospect development right mm-hmm. and they're getting there way too fast with not many fights and they're getting their confidence sometimes permanently stunned or put in a position like a even the promising prospect like a max Roshkoff, right and then he gets made fun of for you know quote-unquote quitting and all these all the other ruthless things that we see when when fighters you know god forbid show show some vulnerability in a in an unwinnable situation um which are a lot of situations that fighters get put into whether we want to admit it or not um, or you have on the other hand, which again, this is interesting from the betting perspective too. You've got guys that were long overdue to be in the UFC, like a Chris Curtis, but they come in last minute, right? And even though the odds say, well, they're just going to get treated like the other contender series people or this or that, all the other last minute people they bring in. Mm-hmm. Well, you also have, you also have like legit journeymen who have been qualified for some time, have been training and they get the surprise attack on otherwise prospects if not by prospect by your definition at least by the very least the ufc's loose definition and that Mm -hmm. they are actively building the fighter up in some sense the fighter is winning on a winning streak or clearly winning more than losing at the very least um and we've seen fighters like that get their confidence perhaps perma knocked off you know we'll, we'll, we'll watch what happens to phil hawes though i feel like his chin was his ceiling anyway so perhaps that's a bad definition but you know what i mean as far as the confidence from a, an established fighter in the ufc air quotes to a newcomer um both are just suffering casualties at a clip for for bad or good business depending on your perspective i mean from a when you think about it i guess from a financial standpoint the the, the person who benefited the most from uh favorable matchmaking retroactively in retrospect if you look at it and think about it is dustin Poirier <laughs> because he got to fight conor mcgregor yeah. twice <laughs> oh yeah rake that Be- cash in Oh, people are still trying to, not only are they still not like completely, are they still ignoring um, Charles Dubronx for their fighters of the year, which is fucking asinine and criminal. Um, People are still trying to make the argument that Dustin Poirier should get it off of his two wins. You know, again, strengthening the argument that should he have been the favorite or, you know, did did we overvalue uh, his wins over McGregor? Yes. Uh, but, uh, you know, (laughs) to your point, you know, it's, it's, you're right. Exactly. Like he is still getting more credit and more uh, than the guy who who just beat him, who also um, helps his community, uh, is a fighter who took the long road there, um, had to overcome, overcome, uh, you know, uh, things that the media to the fans put on him that he quits or loses in the big spots. Like they literally had to deal with the same shit. <clears throat> but again, that's just another. That's kind of another tangent yeah. with how fucking awards go and stuff. Yeah. And and I am. Let's just say I'm not the popular guy when it comes to because I'm I, I'm Mister. You know. 
contrarian, I guess, but this is how I am. I'm not trying to be. I'm not just trying to, trying to be cool. Like, no, I just, it's how I fucking feel. And I, mean, I, I hate mainstream about, narrative. Don't care and I don't about awards in I general. Hate that shit. Sorry. Like, the, the way they pick awards, especially like the way the UFC does and the way most media does, is they don't actually like think about it. They just go with what's popular, with what's trending. Yep. Exactly. So like we're back in fucking high school. To yeah. quote Nick Diaz, like I'm back in fucking high school again. The criteria Sorry. doesn't make a lot of sense for a lot of the uh, picks and for a lot of the awards uh, awards themselves. Like when you think about it, like w- how do you define the fight of the year? Is it a high level contest between like high level competitors that goes back and forth with multiple momentum shifts, or is it just a sloppy brawl? How do you define knockout of the year? Is it is it just a meme knockout? Is it just a flashy strike that happened to connect, or is it a cleverly set up, uh, se- se- cleverly set up, cleverly fainted, like pitch perfect punch that uh, the fighter in question has been working towards throughout the whole fight and throughout the whole camp against the leader position? It, it, it's one or the other. It's, it's it's kind of like almost two opposite spectrums uh, uh, on which you operate. Mm-hmm. Like when you really think about it. Like, when you think about the Fight of the Year awards, like, a lot of people awarded Fight of the Year, I think it was for last year, people awarded Fight of the Year to, uh, I think it was Yanjaychik versus uh, Weili, was it? Right? Okay. Uh, yeah, and uh, a lot of it was predicated on the fact that it's the most violent women's fight, and it's the first time, like, a women's fight was this violent. But the reason why it was so violent was that both Fighters don't exactly have the best defense and don't exactly have the most power. <laughs> and so they were able to sort of like bang on each other for five rounds. <laughs> and, and because they were women, it, it yeah. seemed super shocking. And that's why people picked it. It's not, it's, but well, when you actually think about it, Volkanovsky versus, uh, uh, versus Holloway was way, way more interesting and way more high level and way with lots, lots of momentum shifts and actually pretty violent. <laughs> I mean, absolutely no no the, the, and this the, this perfect because and, and this isn't anything that i haven't you know I, I didn't say to these people directly or whatever i even made a quip about it uh amongst our rankings we do of the month awards right mm-hmm. and there's category knockout ko and fight and one of the selections for fight was leo, leo santos versus clay guida and i said that if and thankfully no one voted for it i don't think but like i was like if anybody votes for this make sure you vote for keith peterson as well because he is pretty much the only reason why the fight even had a quote unquote momentum swing, which apparently, you know, which it was apparently enough to, 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 to justify that spot there, you know? And for me, again, with my pet peeves, I hate that shit because it's, it was just like, again, bad narrative. Everyone was coming away. He's everyone talking about Clay Guida's amazing submission skills. And Clay Guida was like, wrestling won that fight, wrestling. And then wrestling and jujitsu are fighting with each other. And I'm like, you guys are fucking both wrong. Keith Peterson won that fight. I mean, Anyways. I guess. Not stopping the fight when it should have been stopped counts as a momentum shift in a certain way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But again, if it, it graded amongst all others, like, should we really be weighing that that high? And, you know, for me, for example, it I really didn't care to think about it, but a fight that's always stuck with me, and it's, it's my, one of my favorite types of fights, we don't get them that much. It had plenty of momentum shifts. Um, it had one of the most compelling wizard battles I've seen since Gaethje and Luis Firmino, and that was Carlos Diego Fajeda, Versus Gregor Gillespie, like if if, if oh, you, yeah, I don't really care to anoint it, but if there's a gun in my head, I'm sure there's better options. I'm not fucking standing this flag in the ground, but that's probably my pick. If you're if I'm if, you're, if I'm gonna answer honestly off the top of my head, but no one's gonna mention that shit, you know. It's like, all right. I mean, it was a fun one. It was essentially like Gillespie kind of like sort of like a cardio bullying Carlos Diego Fajeda. <laughs> <laughs> that's all it was. Uh, 
but yeah, it was certainly interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, what else happened this year? Like lots of shit happened this year, but at the same time, I cannot remember any of it. Well, unlikely champions is a really good takeaway, and I don't mean that as an insult because uh, me and I mean, many yeah. listeners uh, of these shows are fans of these people. Like uh, again. Jan Blakovic and Glover Teixeira, you got two unlikely in one division this year, right? Yeah. I know Blakovic, I think, technically won an interim title against Reyes the year before, but let's be honest, um, Blakovic, the, the the official belt, right, wasn't like vacant official or whatever, however they made it. I don't know. Blakovic, you could argue on there. Teixeira, um, even, even Moreno. Now, Moreno, he gets the title in 2020 at the end of it. But that was a last-minute put-together fight, if you remember, between him and Figueiredo, the first one, which is why they did the rematch. And then, you know, Moreno uh, beat him pretty definitively, and there's no reason to see that again, right? Oh, wait. Uh, Yeah, but, uh, yeah, poor Moreno. Of course. Again, matchmaking not doing him any favors. Um, You know, they just get him the Zip Recruiter ad, but it's like they're going to stretch his fights out for, like, two years they're going to... When he did, you know, the, those wins can make him eligible plus something else, but the, he never had that opportunity. But Moreno is a guy who should get more credit. But anyway, I mean, flyweight is a division that was gutted essentially. So that that's what yeah. that's the reason why we have a situation like this. Yep. But uh, Moreno yeah. was gutted, and Moreno was gutted before that. He was a washout, a last pick washout from Tough. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw Luis Smoka get knocked out recently. He was Luis Smoka was a minus four hundred favorite to Brandon Moreno. Like that is the opinion of it you know what i'm saying like yeah um so we had these guys kind of having to make in different aspects kind of comebacks uh charles Oliveira obviously was is who's my fighter of the year for what it's worth with right behind glover right behind him um maybe not un- maybe not you know as much of a surprise to people like me or you uh for some of these but i think in general i think that was I think that was something that was really cool. Oh, and then, you know, of course, Juliana Pena, but we already got to talk about her. <laughs> Juliana Pena, the person uh, who, whose first decision right after winning the belt was to immediately be homophobic, uh, homophobic because that's what you do in MMA. <laughs> yeah, Pena absolutely. Wins the most, the most like, with the, wins the most unexpected victory of all time in women's MMA and then immediately proceeds to dedicate her victory to women who love penis. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was... Oh, but it's okay, Tuman, because I don't know if you realized, um, just like with the uh, redacted, um, we're not charging our fighters for COVID policies. And now it's not just you got the fake news and blame the media, but it's... No, what I meant was... what I What really was meant to say... You know, now with this, it's just like, who the fuck knows, dude? Who the fuck? <laughs> Nothing even matters anymore because it can get reported and you can go the next day and be like, no, this is what I meant. When I said I mean, the N-word, what I meant was, like, what the, I don't even fucking know anymore. It's ridiculous. And none of it surprises me because it takes place in MMA. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> in, in, in MMA, you kind of sort of assume that everyone is terrible until you've until proven otherwise. That that's how you save your. That's how you protect your sanity in general, with these things. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so do not be surprised. Like if if you and I said this off air, but like if 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 you thought arbitrary lists were annoying enough, and if you thought arbitrary lists being decided by, you know, Conor McGregor's gate record justifying spots on lists, if you found that annoying, just wait until Sean O'Malley's heroin baby NFT gains enough value that he shoots past everybody in the pound-for-pound rankings. 
those are the conversations. We're not we're not far from those conversations already, right? Like that's kind of like what I hear when I hear a lot of people break things. <laughs> I mean, we've me like this was a pretty content rich year for me because essentially I record it every every week and um, right. sometimes even like three times or two two times per week. And one of the episodes that I've recorded was the Conor McGregor hate cast, and we kind of sort of like I figured. It would be a bad idea to give Conor McGregor... I felt bad about giving Conor McGregor any more publicity than he already gets, so I put it up on Patreon. So if you want to hear my view about on this whole thing, on the gate thing, on the uh, getting MMA to a new level, I guess you can go to, to once again, go to our Patreon and listen to that episode. Yeah, let's, let's, let's get out of here on a positive with some plugs, shall we? I'll follow that note. I'll also add that you should check out the Tyron Woodley episode. Um, Hacks was on that panel. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, that was a really good discussion that's very apropos. Like, it, it was before you guys knew that he would have a rematch against um, the uh, it, Privileged Paul. I don't know who it, these guys it, are. It, it I tried was, to talk uh, about right them, after the first Jake Paul fight, and we kind of sort of like yeah. tried to explain why Tyron Woodley is the way he is. No one listened. Uh, so mean, go listen now. I mean, of course. Well, no, no he didn't listened. listen. He didn't listen. He didn't listen. And people who bet on him didn't listen. But, you know, uh, I suggest you guys go listen to that because it was very, it's still very apropos and very spot on. Um, uh, just like, are, I don't know, are you guys still doing the um, the thing, you know, the, the commentary narrative one too? Is that one still coming out? Did that already come out? Uh, oh, the panel on commentary, on bad yes. commenting. Yeah, it's an editing right now. It's, okay, uh, awesome. I'm it's an editing one. because one of our panelists uh, recorded using a. Uh, uh, like uh, his headset for his mobile phone, Ooh. so his wire. Ooh. So, so the wire. I know which one. <laughs> yeah. So whenever he moved, the wire touched the clothing, and the mic picked it up. So I have to like edit all that out. Oof. It's a real hassle. Uh, but, I mean, what can you do? Um, the I mean, thing I, I guess I'll say. Like I, sorry, I, I live in the middle of a fucking field. I live in Siberia. I, I actually, it's not a joke. I actually no, do it's not. live. No, not. Not a joke, people. I we actually live show. in eastern Siberia. I'm actually of Mongolian descent. Uh, I actually live in a village, in an actual village, honest to goodness. And I still have better audio quality than everyone else that's on staff and everyone else and mo- most people. It's amazing. In in like uh, in this MMA sphere, like especially compared to people like Phil and Connor Rebush of Heavy Hands. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was getting ready to plug them and you're burying them. <laughs> I mean, fuck, fuck, it's, it's fucking embarrassing is what it is. Like just a, good, a decent mic costs 50 bucks. Just for 50 bucks, you can have a decent mic. If you want to get into podcasting, buy one. For fuck's sake, what is this? What are we doing here? I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, as somebody who's getting shit for his video quality and not doing more video... Um, I definitely sympathize with that. By the way, why do you guys <laughs> want to see me uh, on video so much? Do you have like a twink short round kind of a fetish? I don't know what so it is. They Either have way, an Asian fetish. They have a fetish for Asians specifically. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. right, baby. It's, it's. I guess it's popular. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it's the, but I mean, K-pop is more popular than it ever was. So I guess <laughs> there you go. There you have it. Oh geez. Well, um, you have you have to get a ball cut. Is what you have to do. You have to shave. You have to lose oh, like one hundred pounds. And then you'll be more popular than ever. Oh my god, Luz. <laughs> You're like describing me like in grade school uh, with the bow cut and everything. Um, oh. I guess lastly, just lastly to tie it up, we pretty much are on the same page. A lot of the silly awards things. I would say don't pay attention to it. And if you're upset at any category, 
Um, like if you don't see your podcast in that category, go, go support, go support again, back to my, my original message, just vote with your clicks and dollars. It it means a lot to these shows and independent sources of media and those trying to be independent. And I just say, uh, damn the man, make your own favorites, support them. Um, and I was just going to get out of here by saying, I don't really have too strong opinions on really any of the categories except analysts. And I was going to plug, um, some of my favorite analysts in the space, including ones from the fight site, unless you have any more. Anything more to add to the award talk, Tuman? I mean, you shouldn't care about it. You shouldn't care about the awards. You shouldn't really care about what the UFC says you to care about, tells you to care yes. about, and uh, you shouldn't care about the belts as well. This may sound <laughs> yeah, apparently not. Yeah, you shouldn't. No, no, I, the UFC doesn't yeah. care. You shouldn't care. <laughs> and caring about the belts in the UFC is essentially like get, giving Dana White carte blanche to tell you what to care about. Dana White essentially like. Whenever you like, go, uh, like get up and arms, so or like he was the real champion, he wasn't the real champ. This guy has the belt. This guy doesn't have the belt. It's um, it's essentially like you letting Dana White tell you who the best fighter is, and uh, who Dana White tells you the best fighter is is usually not the best fighter. It's uh, like you shouldn't like trust Dana White to tell you anything. <laughs> so just basically like use your own brain. And do not trust narratives. Try to actually, like, intellectually understand what's happening in front of you, and you will find that your understanding of the sport will just skyrocket the moment you turn off the commentary and start <laughs> start actually watching, uh, start actually looking at, what, at uh, what's happening. And uh, yeah, the, I think I've mentioned that uh, prior in this episode that the more you understand about MMA, the more the less you enjoy it. And uh, I th- uh, th- that sounds a bit overly negative that that's not really the takeaway i wanted to um end this episode on uh, episode with the thing is um the more you understand about the sport the more you appreciate the best bits of the sport the more you appreciate the actually elite contests the more you appreciate what goes into um making an elite competitor the more you appreciate fights good fights and the more you you're actually become able to uh, like sort of like filter out all the all the like filler that the UFC throws you away, and so you can save your money this way. If you can, if you look at the schedule and you you understand who the UFC is trying to pit against one another uh, on the upcoming cards, you can just skip them. You can just watch the good fights. You can watch the good bits and skip the rest. Save your money. And uh, I guess yeah, as Dan said. Voting with your dollar. Uh, maybe it's time to stop buying pay-per-views, you know? <laughs> just, do you really want to support this whole thing? <laughs> just, <laughs> I, nev- I, I have never paid for a single pay-per-view in my entire life. I pirate everything. And I don't feel like the least bit guilty about it because everyone talks about, oh, you, wanna, you don't want to support the fighters. You're not going to support the fighters by ba- buying the pay-per-views. The UFC is not paying them. According to like to the stuff that they get from pay per views, they d- 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 don't pay them. If even if uh, like there's gonna be like a billion dollar pay per view gate, not a single fighter, all like like seventy five percent of the fighters on that on that uh, hypothetical one billion dollar gate on that hypothetical billion dollar pay per view, they're not getting any of it. They're not seeing a single cent from that percentage. So I guess this is the takeaway that I want, to, uh, want you to have. Just uh, fuck oh. the UFC. <laughs> fuck Dana White. Uh, 
Dana White is a is a Dana White is a cunt, you know. Dana White is a big bald cunt. He lives in a cunty house and drives a cunty car. That's it. That's that's all. That's all I want to say. That's it. Are, <laughs> I'm out. Are you trying? Are you trying to say that you didn't vote for Dana White for leading man of the year, Timoth? Uh, I mean, if there was a a leading cunt of the year award, then I would certainly <laughs> vote for him. He would get all my votes. I vote. I'd vote for him with both hands and both feet. But alas, <laughs> this is not the case. On the first day of Christmas, Dana White gave to me one shitty contract, two Venom T-shirts, and no cut in cryptocurrency. Uh, sorry. <laughs> On the second day, uh, no, don't worry, folks. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna keep singing. <laughs> that, that's, that's what MMA does to you. It gives you a great singing voice and demolishes your sanity. The more you can't those baritones, it. baby. Oh yeah, uh, but I'll just say you're, you're you're absolutely right. You shouldn't care about this stuff. And uh, if it just feels like I'm I'm harping on it, I just I just have seen it so much. Uh, not from me, just uh, others in this industry. You know, um, get the raw end of the deal, and and you know, uh, fighters or media or like the good people uh, get pushed away or swallowed up. Oftentimes, so I guess I'm just speaking a little more from those frustrations. Um, I don't feel like um, I deserve any, and I always say that, and I put other people above me, and I just wanted to give shouts to those people to kind of spin this in a positive. Um, obviously, not just because he's on here. I just want to give quick shouts. You can really say you can't go wrong with anybody from the fight site, but uh, I know um, with you know Ryan and Ed and some of some of those names uh, not being as active. I love those guys, obviously. Uh, I know, you know, Shuram stepped up a lot. You stepped up, Tuman, obviously, with uh, Tengra Dome and your content. Um, Fenyo doesn't, get, you know, uh, get enough credit, man. That guy's got some awesome video stuff. Fenyo actually watches every single fight that ever happens. <laughs> yeah, he's nuts like that too. I could tell when he does the the breakdowns with Dan Albert, who I think, you know, I, I've always lo- I've always loved Dan, but I think Dan's done some really <clears throat> good stuff, really expanded into boxing well, and other areas and. Dan, Dan is our most meticulous analyst that we have. Uh, That's why every, I appreciate him. Every article that he puts out, every uh, podcast that he puts out is always meticulously researched. And like mine, I just <laughs> just say whatever I want to say. <laughs> I don't bother. Sometimes I just kind of like sort of picture what's happening on the cards without watching them. Usually I'm See, right. I'm like a hybrid of both of you guys. I'm like, I'm like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde of both of you guys, maybe. That's why I like you guys, because I have, I have both those features. And that makes me very much combustible, which is bad. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess- um, but. To, like to spin this into a positive way in a positive in a positive fashion. Not to, to, I'm not trying to take over your show or anything, but I just have lots of thoughts on this subject. And uh, the, the the way in which you can um, show that you care about the sport and which you can improve the sport is uh, not by uh, buying into all the narratives that the UFC sells you, not buying, not by spending lots of money on what the UFC tries to sell you to, to you. It's by actually educating yourself about the sport, educating yourself about the issues in the sport, being outspoken about those issues and trying to sort of like generate, uh, try, trying to, to mold your surroundings, trying to speak to your friends and your uh, acquaintances online with which you discuss your favorite hobby and try to do it in a nuanced and uh, in a more intellectual i guess way try to just use more critical thinking in the way you discuss things and uh acknowledge your own biases and uh 
just strive for more uh, clarity in in sports discussion in in all sorts of spaces on social media, in your own personal like circle of friends, wherever. And uh, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, no, I, 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 abs- sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, that's what certainly like just. If you start doing that, you will find that your experience discussing and following the sport will just uh, skyrocket. The quality of it will skyrocket because you will be surrounded by people who are just who are just as passionate as you are and just as informed as you are. And that's just so much better than simply trying to follow what's just what's everyone, what's what random people on the internet, what people with Conor McGregor avatars yeah. on Twitter say. That's so much more fulfilling. Uh, it is it is and, and as an analyst it's it's fulfilling to uh you know see other people doing well because again i have an ego like everybody else i have biases like everybody else but i can confidently say that i don't have an ego or bias in that way i'm always uh i, I very much love growth and to promote that myself so i try to stand by that and i try to call myself out as much as i can too for listeners of the show can attest to that I was doing it just last week, and a lot of that applies here. You know, uh, it's 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 it, it should not be a surprise of why someone like myself uh, roots for the underdog, or you know, uh, identifies more with um, person not getting attention. There's a lot of deep seated psychological shit, of course, that goes with that. But you know, I, I'm doing my best to acknowledge that, and I just you know hope that not just for people with their jobs, but just in all walks of life, it it, it doesn't hurt to acknowledge your own biases and educate yourself further, which was a big message of what Tuman was saying, because you can produce more enjoyment, uh, more understanding of it, um, as well as, you know, uh, the downside stuff too. But I mean, again, the, 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 there's a, there's a genuineness there. And just real quick, just want to just finish shouting out guys like uh, downward elbow. Speaking of video stuff, I'm a big fan of that guy's stuff. Uh, Schwan Humes, he called the, uh, he didn't just call it, but he showed his work Sean on the, uh, the Pena the WMMA Whisperer, the Women's That's MMA right. Whisperer. That's right, he is, baby. The, the only person who watches it yep. with a critical eye. And <laughs> 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 actually uh, called the outcome of uh, Pena versus, uh, versus Nunez. The man I've man. had him on this show. He's he's awesome. He's an awesome guy, man. So uh, I want to give him a shout. Of course, you guys know the Jack Slacks of the world, the heavy hands of the world. Um, I, I always shout those guys, in our, and, and they're great. Uh, and I, if I left anybody out, I don't mean to. I just I want I, I want you guys to, to 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 check these things out. You know, you don't have to agree with everything I say or they say, but uh, by, by any means, of course not. But I do think these are good perspectives to have. Listen to Tangredome. You don't have to agree with everything. And I hope you don't agree with everything Tuman says. But it's a great perspective <laughs> to fucking have. Okay, so that, that's what I'm that's what I'm trying to say to wrap up my uh, my plugs and my attempt to to genuinely uh, not just put a positive twist genuinely put a positive twist on it i mean uh if you wish to have uh, to have what i've just described you can just join our discord for five bucks per month <laughs> there we go the fight, yeah, there we the go fight side discord and uh you guys uh, actually have a, have a have a fucking community something i can't yeah. I, I i i can't seem to do <laughs> I can barely get a, as you can, you can see too. You can I can barely in. get a host. I can barely get a co-host on here. So you can just uh, hop there, in. You, just just join yeah. the Discord and uh, I, there's like, who, how many? people I think I are can there? actually. I think I can. I just I, I'm just again I'm lazy. I'm, there's like two hundred. I, li- I, I listen there. to the commentary tracks. Don't tell Ed. You know I'm that guy. Yeah, there's like two hundred people in there, and the, each and every one of those people is uh, cares very much. Uh, about the sport and uh, cares about intellectual having intellectual discussions about the sport That's and intellectual true, discussions see, about penises as well if you yes, if you're into and, that 
Okay, that I will jump in, but back to calling out my biases. I don't I don't even like hearing me as much as I do, Tuman. I don't think other people need to hear me that much. I don't think they like to, which is fine. And again, this is, this is why I'm plugging your guys' community. Um, I appreciate your invite, but that's not the reason why I'm plugging it. I'm plugging it so, you know, you guys can go to places that are probably a little more concise uh, <laughs> with their messages. I mean, um, the first but, uh, step to not letting your insecurities control you is to acknowledge them. So I guess we're halfway yeah. there. All right. Yeah, we're halfway there, folks. Look at that. We're early on the New Year's resolution. It ain't even New Year's yet. Um, I hope you guys are having good holidays, whatever you celebrate. Is there any kind of holiday that in December for Siberia? What goes on up there? I mean, in, like there's the Russian New Year. That's just the regular New Year, and which is okay. the biggest holiday in Russia usually. But there's also the Lunar New Year that uh, Mongolians celebrate. So there's that. Uh, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it happens on the same date that the Chinese Lunar New Year happens. Or maybe it yeah, I was gonna say, do you guys have your own horoscope too? In that sense, uh, yeah. I mean, we ha- we, u- we usually okay. use the Chinese one. I think uh-huh. um, ha- haven't have been using it for right, for ages now. Ever since the well, uh, well, the Mongols ruled China, I guess, and from from then on, it kind of like uh, like sort of migrated into our culture as well. Well, what year were you born, if I may ask, Chungus Khan? Can you reveal that? I mean, obviously, the the year of the hog. <laughs> No, obviously oh, shit obviously shit. oh nice <laughs> i'm trying to think now that's uh a 90 yeah it's uh like 1995 and it 95 was, wow okay way off wow. it was the year of uh, uh which 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 type? year of the pig but which type oh yeah the wooden pig the wooden hog oh the wooden hog yeah baby <laughs> 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 that's <laughs> if we could only all be so lucky if we could only all be so lucky i'm a, i'm a fiery oxen so I'm, I'm stubborn and passionate who would have seen that coming i mean who? that's appropriate who very yeah appropriate. who would have seen that coming exactly all right folks this is in horoscope talk i hope you guys whatever the fuck you celebrate or believe in i don't care i just wish you the best uh any last words before we get out of here tuman i appreciate you joining me man this was this was a fun curmudgeon like way to uh spend the end of the year I mean, it was kind of like us re- re- revisiting all the talking points that we've raised at one uh, uh, one time or another. But uh, it was still, it's, I think it's wor- worth like restating those things every once in a while, especially by the end of the year. Some things need to be reinforced, so I certainly enjoyed that very much. And it was, uh, um, I hope I was able to bring some new talking points to just to, to, to say certain things. Uh, Maybe your listeners have heard those things said by you already, but uh, I hope my perspective, the way I phrased them, was uh, different enough to be interesting. <laughs> so thank it's you very much. It's important to hear it from a different person. Because yeah. at this point, I'm just that annoying parent, you know, where even if I'm saying the right thing, it's like, fucking shut up already. So it's really good. It's good to get it in a fresh, a fresh perspective. So thank you. And uh, keep fighting the good fight. That doesn't just go for you, Tuman. That goes for the rest of you. And always protect your neck.